Let's bow for a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing on the ministry of the Word this afternoon. Father, help us as we come to the Holy Scriptures to consider them in this systematic way. We thank you for our catechism, which aids us in this. Here we have the great doctrines of the Christian faith summarized, and we thank you for this tool. Uh, but above all, we thank you for your Word, which is the source and the norm for all of our belief. I pray, O oh God, uh, that you would give us faith to believe what your Word says. Uh, give us also the strength that we need to live in obedience to it. In particular, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to teach us how to pray. May we be faithful in prayer uh, daily, individually. May we be faithful in prayer as a congregation. In the name of Christ we say these things. Amen. Baptist Catechism 107 asks, What does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? Preface means introduction. Uh, so this is not a, a part of the uh, Lord's Prayer itself. Well, it is, excuse me. It, it's the introduction to the Lord's Prayer itself. It's, it's the part of it where we address God as Father. The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father which art in heaven, teaches us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a Father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. I'd like to read this afternoon from Romans 8, 12 through 17. Hear now the reading of God's most holy word. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father." The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. You know, I was looking over our confession of faith the other day. Uh, we're going through our catechism here. But I was looking over our confession of faith the other day. When chapter 12 of our confession caught my eye, if you're reading the confession in full page format, it really stands out because it is so brief. It's only one paragraph long, chapter 12 of our confession is. It's by far the shortest chapter in our confession. And, and what is chapter 12 about? The title is Of Adoption. Chapter 12 is about adoption. It's situated right in the middle of those chapters of our confession which speak of those things which God alone does for His elect in bringing them salvation. In chapter 10, we learn that God effectually calls His elect to Himself. He, he calls us by His Word and draws us by His Spirit. In chapter 11, we learn that God justifies His elect the moment they believe. They are declared not guilty and, and pardoned from, from all of their sins. And in chapter 13, we learn that God sanctifies His elect, making them more and more into the likeness of Christ. There's a number of chapters here that all speak of the benefits that come to us in our salvation. And at first, we are told of all those things that, that God does. He calls us. He justifies us. He sanctifies us. But situated in the middle of that is chapter 12, and it's about adoption. Uh, here we learn that God adopts the elect as His own. And I find that this teaching is so very tender, and it is so very warm. 
The doctrines of effectual calling, justification, and sanctification are vitally important, of course. But so too is the doctrine of adoption. And I have found that it is often neglected. We give attention to the doctrines of effectual calling, of justification. You know, and when we think of justification, we're thinking of the courtroom scene, I guess, where a judge pounds down a gavel and says, not guilty. Uh, what a blessing that is to be declared not guilty by the judge of, of the universe, uh, God Almighty. He says, not guilty because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us and our sins have been washed away. Wonderful. It needs to be emphasized. But I have noticed that it's effectual calling, justification, even sanctification that we speak of so often. But oftentimes the doctrine of adoption is neglected and I think it is a shame. Because the doctrine of adoption really does get to the heart of the benefit of our redemption in Christ Jesus. When we talk about adoption, we're talking about being reconciled to God the Father. We're being, we're being drawn into His presence. We're being made right with Him so that we might have this wonderfully beautiful and intimate relationship with us. He is our Father and we are His children because of the work that Christ has done for us. And those benefits are received, of course, by faith. It is through faith in the Son and by the working of the Holy Spirit that we come to be justified and sanctified, but adopted. It, it's such a warm doctrine, and I think it is a shame uh, that it is oftentimes neglected. Is it not the highest blessing of our salvation to be reconciled to God the Father, to have Him as Father and to be His beloved Son? Not only have we been cleansed, not only have we been pardoned and declared not guilty, we have been brought near to God so that we might cry out to Him saying, Abba, Father. Which is what Paul speaks to, of course, in that Romans 8 passage that we just read. May I, may I read chapter 12 of our confession to you? It's just so, it's so warm, it's so beautiful, so tender. All those that are justified, God vouchsafed in and for the sake of His only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have His name put on them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by Him as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. You know, justification, we picture a courtroom, but what do you picture when you think of adoption except the family room or the dining room? You know, being invited to God's table, being a, a member of His household, and coming to have all of the benefits associated with being a beloved child of God. It's such a wonderful doctrine. What a blessing. It's comforting. It's warm. So what does this have to do with the preface to the Lord's Prayer and Baptist Catechism 107? I think you can see preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father which art in heaven, teaches us, now these are my words, to pray to God according to the reality of our adoption in Christ Jesus. Those who have faith in Christ do not pray to God merely as Creator. Did you hear that? Those who have faith in Christ do not pray to God merely as Creator, nor merely as Lord, nor merely as Savior. I say merely as if these are meager things. They are not, of course. Uh, we do not pray to God merely as provider. He is all of these things to us. And, of 
course, these truths should be considered in prayer too. But, but Christians, here's the point, are invited to pray to God Almighty as, as what? Father. As Father. And this is true only because they have been effectually called, justified, and adopted. What a rich benefit this is for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I suppose God could have left it with justification. And I guess that would have gotten our salvation done. You know, it would have accomplished the purpose in some ways, right? I mean, you, you, you understand what I'm saying here. We would have been uh, declared not guilty and we would have made it into heaven, you know, if we want to speak in those terms. But that was not God's aim or goal. It was far superior to that. His, his goal and aim was to reconcile us to Himself so that we might be in a right relationship with Him and have Him not only as Creator or Lord, but as Father, our Father in heaven. I think this brings up an important observation. Not everyone may regard God as Father. Not everyone may regard God as Father. Liberal theologians like to talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. Have you ever heard liberal theologians talk in this way? You've probably encountered it and didn't even realize it. But liberal theologians, those who have rejected really the scriptures as their authority for truth and have gone off the rails in so many ways, they like to talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. God is father of all of us. And we all, and I'm here talking not just about the church, of course, but humanity in general, and we are all brothers and sisters. There's a bit of truth to this. If by father we mean creator or source, then it is true. God is the father of us all. And we are all brothers and sisters, you know, being bound together as the human species, right, as the human race. But that's not what we're talking about here. That's not how the term is used in the Scriptures. When Christ taught His disciples to pray, Our Father in Heaven, He invited them to pray to God as the one who had redeemed them from sin, Satan, and death unto adoption. The Scriptures are so very clear that we do not have God as beloved Father by birth, but we are by nature children of wrath. See Ephesians 2.3. Jesus Himself spoke to those who persisted in unbelief, saying, If God were your Father, you would love Me, for I came from God and I am here. You are of your Father the devil, and your will is to do your Father's desires. Who is He speaking to here except Jews according to the flesh who are persisting in unbelief? And He's saying to them, You got this all wrong. You call God Father, but He is not that to you, because you are in your sins. You are persisting in unbelief. You are children of wrath. Your Father is the devil. These were harsh words that Jesus spoke, but they were true and needful words. This is our natural condition ever since Adam, our federal head, fell into sin and broke the covenant of works that God made with him. So no, we are not natural children of God, but by nature we are His enemies. But by His grace He has washed us in Christ's blood and adopted us as His own through spirit-wrought union with His beloved Son received by faith. So not all may call God Father, but only those who are in Christ, who've received this benefit of adoption. The words, Our Father in Heaven, are to remind us of all of that. And being reminded of all of that, we are then enabled to draw near to God, our catechism says. We are able to draw near to God. In prayer, we are to 
draw near to God, brothers and sisters. We are invited to pray to God, not as God Almighty or Lord. He is God Almighty and Lord to us, of course, but as Father. And I want you to think about that for a moment. We are invited to come near to Him and to know for certain that He loves us and cares for us. We know this for certain, not because of anything within ourselves, but because He has set His love upon us in Christ Jesus and has made us worthy to come. This catechism question is so very helpful in teaching us how we are to draw near to the Father. That we are invited to draw near to Him in Christ Jesus is made clear, but how are we to draw near to Him? Well, the catechism says, with all holy reverence. To revere God is to fear and respect Him. Yes, God is our Father, but He is no ordinary Father. He is our Heavenly Father. He is God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. He is Yahweh, the self-existent, eternal, and unchanging One. He is our Father, but this does not mean that we should approach Him carelessly and certainly not irreverently. We are to draw near to Him with holy reverence. In fact, even a child with just a wonderful earthly father is still to have respect for that earthly father, right? Even if the relationship is very warm and loving, even if there is much kindness between the Father and the Son, there's still to be a degree of fear and respect. And how much more is it true of our relationship with God? We are to draw near to Him, but with holy reverence. Next, notice the words, with confidence. We may come boldly before the throne of grace because we approach the Father, not by our own merits, but according to the merits of Christ. And by the way, this is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It is not, not that we must add Jesus' name to the end of our prayers, but rather we must approach the Father through the Son, being found in Him by faith. You know, in Jesus' name is not a magical little thing that we sprinkle on the end of our prayers to make them effective. No, it's, it's that we must come to God in Jesus' name, that is, through Him, through faith in Him, and by virtue of what He has accomplished for us. We are to come to God as children to a father. Uh, those who have had evil fathers or absent fathers in this world may find it a little more difficult to know what this means, but it is not impossible. I think that all, who, I think that all know what a father should be. I think that is true. All have this sense of what a father should be. And we understand that even the best of earthly fathers fall short of the perfection that is our heavenly father. Clearly, this is analogical language being used here. When we think of God as Father, we must strip away everything creaturely and imperfect associated with earthly fathers and know that in Christ, God is our Heavenly Father. He is our Father perfectly so. In Christ, we are to come to God as children to a Father, knowing that He is able and ready to help us. He is able to help us, for He is God Almighty, nothing is too hard for Him. And He is ready to help us because he is, he is willing. He has set His love upon us and He has promised to be faithful to us always. He has promised to finish the work that He has begun in us and to keep us faithful to the end. So to come to the Father knowing that He is able and ready to help us, this requires faith. This requires faith. Sometimes we experience things in this life where we wonder, is God there? Does He hear us? Is He able? Maybe we wonder. It seems as if evil is prevailing in the world and in my life. Is He able? Is He willing to help us? Sometimes we may wonder even about this, but this is what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. We, we believe God's word on the matter. That God is faithful to His beloved children, 
He is always with them. He's always working His purposes through them. He is able and ready to help us. And we must know this to be true and believe it by faith. Lastly, our catechism adds these words, and that we should pray with and for others. Well, where does this insight come from? As we're considering the preface to the Lord's Prayer, these introductory words where we address Father in Heaven, where does this insight come from? It comes from the plural pronoun, our, found at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. We are instructed by Christ to pray in this way, Our Father in Heaven. Uh, We are not instructed to pray, My Father in Heaven, but Our Father in Heaven. And in fact, this our, this plural pronoun, runs throughout uh, the Lord's Prayer. And this insight will not only help us in corporate prayer, but in private prayer too. For even when we pray in private, we are to pray being mindful of others. Being mindful of others. So that we are not self-centered in our prayers, but we are praying for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in Christ and for other Christians around the world uh, and even those who do not yet believe. We, we, are, we, we are praying with others in mind whenever we pray and not for our own needs and desires alone. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is how Christ has taught His disciples how to pray. So what does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Our Father, which art in heaven, teaches us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a Father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. This is good instruction for us, brothers and sisters. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of prayer. I ask that you would help us to commune with you in prayer. That we would, in fact, uh, draw near to you. That we would not pray to you as if you are far off, as if you are distant and cold to us. But that we would draw near to you as our Heavenly Father. Help us to commune with you in prayer as we bring our desires to you, O Lord. As we pray that your purposes, that your will would be accomplished. We ask that you would speak to us through your word, O God. And that you would help us to speak to you in prayer. We thank you for this tremendous gift. Teach us to pray, O Lord, and move us by your Holy Spirit to do so in a way that is honoring to you. In the name of Christ, we say these things. Amen.